I am here today with um, Lynn. Pronounce your last name for me, please. Nietzscheman. Nietzscheman. Can you hear me? Yes. Lynn Nietzscheman is a family and marriage counselor. And um, she has a very interesting take on what we in New Orleans um, and in Louisiana are going through at the moment. And actually, it's not just us. It's, it's, it's also people in other parts of the country who are dealing with the pandemic and other weather events that are happening all over the country. Because while we feel like we're under assault in particular because we have so much um, pressure on us from these storms, um, other areas in the country are having weather events in addition to the pandemic as well. But in the past few days, I've heard so many people, professionals, people who are normally very grounded, very organized, very straight ahead, complain about having brain freeze or being discombobulated or feeling just kind of adrift. And I, I need to, first of all, understand what is that about? And then let's talk about what 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 can people do to to kind of reconnect with some sense of I don't want to use the word normalcy because there's no such thing right now, but reconnect with some sense of certainty of what's going on. So, what what is that sensation we're having, and why are we having it, Dr. Nietzsche? Well, you know, I have experienced that too with a lot of my patients. People saying. There's inertia in the air. I just don't feel like I can do anything. Uh, a, a young lawyer told me just yesterday that she's a real type A personality and she just can't get her act together. I've heard that so much. And as I was telling you earlier today, I heard that after Katrina as well. Uh, people that could not practice what they normally practice, kids who couldn't study, uh, teachers who just couldn't finish out a class, people who couldn't read the newspaper as they had done every day, just the inertia. And it made me think about that. The only analysis or, or, or metaphor I can come up with is you've heard of people whose cars careened off of a highway and they're stuck in a ditch for a week to 10 days and they survive on the condensation on the windshield. That's the only liquid that they've had. And it's, this it's is a real, quite this a, is a real thing. It's a real yeah. thing. So when I think about when we go through trauma and certainly a terrible accident or a loss of a loved one can, can evoke the same changes, it's as if the body slows down metabolically, physiologically and psychologically in order to survive. So I think this inertia, this freeze, the different ways people express this all sort of indicate that we are overwhelmed. And the only thing our bodies can do is just slow the process down, slow the process down so that you can get through it. And I suspect a lot of people have talked about gaining weight through the pandemic. I, I suspect overeating and over drinking is partially due to, to, the, to that or result in that. But I think also it's because metabolically we have just slowed down. The world has slowed down. We've been very isolated. We can't do anything. And then on top of that, we get this very threatening hurricane. So I think the people here and certainly Lake Charles and Laplace, parts of Texas now 
are experiencing this more so. But you see this inertia because of the pandemic as well, great fear in the air. So think of it as it's a survival mechanism so that we can get through this. Now, what do you do about it? Yeah. Okay, right. So I think that first of all, it's recognizing it, you know, and, and, and being able to put a name on it. And I, I think this is a fascinating analysis that you've provided to me and, and it, it fits, it makes sense. Um, so I'm feeling that that sense of, of overwhelm and, and this need to kind of just pause. And I, I, I'm saying, I was, I, I, I was sitting on the porch the other day in the front of my house and I was saying, it was a beautiful morning actually, this was the morning before Ida, but it was when I had just come back from evacuation and I'm saying, you know, I'm not all right. Uh -huh. I, just, I just said that. I verbalized it. I, I wasn't with anybody. I just verbalized. I said, you know, I'm just not all right. right. And I just took that moment and I didn't think or say anything. I just sat there saying, I'm not all right. I didn't keep saying it over and over again. I just, just let it sit there in the air. Um, and, and then, you know, this past weekend, I had that discombobulation feeling. Um, and it, it wasn't, you know, I, I didn't feel completely at a loss. I just felt challenged. As I do right now, by the yes. way, I just want to tell my listeners that in the background of our conversation is roofing work that's going on next door, which anybody who's dealt with roofing work knows it's very noisy. And unfortunately, we tried to time our interview so that it wouldn't happen. But by the time we resolve some technical issues, they're back at us. So just know, folks, that that noise is what one of the noises we're dealing with. That's another thing. There's a lot of noise. There's garbage on the streets. Um, those who have roofing issues or any kind of fairly serious issues still with their house, they may not still have power or water. Um, all of this stuff is very real stuff. So what is, what is your kind of key hints for how we need to absorb this and deal with it? And I think you already said it. You have to recognize it. You have to be with it and say, I'm not okay. My body, my brain, everything has slowed down to get me through this. So let me just accept that. Let me accept slowing down, that I, I feel this way. There is a certain amount of inertia, but it has a purpose. It allows me to survive. So be with it. Um, relax, do some good breathing, do some yoga, do some meditation, do something different from the hustle and bustle that you're used to, just to go with it and just give this some time. It will pass, you will come back to normal, but the body and the brain has to adjust. Psychologically, we are overwhelmed. Physically, we are overwhelmed. And that's about all we can do is slow it down. And if we're not capable of doing it on our own, then your brain kind of does it for you. It says, okay, I'll show you. Body and brain connection. I'll show you, I'm gonna slow you down. You're going to get a bad case of inertia until you can really breathe and be with it. So I think it's acceptance, recognition, talking about it with loved ones. Who else is feeling this way? Uh, I think discussion is, I mean, I think bringing it up on your radio show is a great idea so that people can talk about what they're feeling. I think it's, you know, sometimes you, you, you've been hearing on the television 
um, now and then they'll uh, talk about, you know, services that are, are available and they'll say that there are mental health services. I think people tend to think that somebody else needs mental health services, not yes. themselves. And so yes. that's another thing that I wanted to address. It's there's only so much you can do uh, yourself. And sometimes it, as you said, it to talk with loved ones or maybe not loved ones, but just a wise friend, someone who you've taken counsel with in the past, or maybe you come and talk to somebody like you whose profession it is um, to talk about uh, issues such as this. I often say, I, I don't, I've only tried to go for uh, any kind of counseling a couple times in my life, but I, I feel like the concept of dealing with somebody who has addressed issues in so many other people you've built up a database of right. how people deal with different kinds of situations and what works what works better and what doesn't work and so i say why not talk to somebody who has that kind of expertise and get the input so i i want people who are going through it to a higher level than some of us i mean my house is okay so I'm I'm in a peculiar state, but it's not nearly what someone whose yeah. home is really wrecked has to be going through. That, that's just a horrifying thought to me. And my way of dealing with it is, okay, someday it's going to be me. I mean, you know, my husband is one of these doomsayers who says, you know, we're in the wrong place at the wrong time with climate change. This environment is a, is a very risky environment. My answer to that is where are you going to go that's not risky now? Where are you going to go that's not in a floodplain? Where are you going to go that's not burning? Where are you going to go that doesn't have tornadoes? So, okay, we have, we have hurricanes and they're very scary, but everywhere on the planet right now is, is basically scary. So how do we deal with it in a constructive way? That's the other thing I want to go to. I'm a big believer that for every problem, there may not be an entire solution, but there are solutions. How do you advise someone in this kind of a situation to seek those solutions rather than assume, oh my God, this is terrible. I don't want to live here anymore. I can't, you know, that's, I, I, I've done this too many times. How, how do you counsel that person thinking that way about how to get on a more constructive path? That's a tough one because as you've pointed out, there's hardly any place you can go that doesn't have forest fires or, or flooding or, or tornadoes or freezing weather that we from New Orleans could never live through, you know, snow and blizzards. So uh, I think to, uh, to help people reduce their lives to what has been successful and what does work for them, to assume tasks that they can complete and feel good about, uh, to raise self-awareness of what, what the goods are around them, family, friends, what is good here? Uh, certainly after Katrina, we looked around the city and thought it will be 10 years before this is ever built up again. Yeah. And it wasn't, it was closer to five years. So that works. Yeah, but you know, people, got with the program after they had had that period of inertia where nobody knew what to do. People were walking around like zombies. Then they got it together. So I suspect, I mean, I heard that about, I think it was on the front page of the paper that a gentleman from Laplace said, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm done. That and it was an interesting, 
Yeah, it would be interesting to see whether he really follows through with that. Some people might, but we're, you know, we're pretty uh, ethnocentric here. So I, I, I think people are resilient and they will, they will come back, they will rebuild. And I think a lot of resources are being uh, made available out there. I understand that FEMA is being very generous and that's going to be helpful, ensures that I think the adjusters were on the streets like three days later. So I think there's a lot of positivity happening and you have to look at that positivity. Uh, and reach, oh, reach right. out. And, and, you know, um, in the same page that they had the article about the gentleman who said, I can't do yeah. this anymore. And I think there are going to be people who are going to sure. say that. There's no getting away from it. If, if he lost his home entirely, and I think that particular person really did lose his home, and he may have lost it before, uh, I, I, I can't imagine what it's like to lose everything. Yeah. Um, I can see where that there's a point at which you just cannot keep doing that. But um, on the same page, Richard Campanella, who's a geographer and kind of a um, demographic historian in a way, um, said that in the old days, we didn't evacuate out of the city. We evacuated to safe environments within the city. And that was a lot less painful than driving all the way to Atlanta and driving all the way back. And, 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 and in my case, I packed and unpacked, I think six times. And I won't explain why, but it all had to do with whether my Generac was going to work or not and, and my insecurity about it. So I kind of chose other options at the same time that I tried to work to get, get it to work. And, and we sunk a lot of money into that, that, you know, not, it's not cheap at all. It's, it's hard yeah. to come up with that kind of money. But on the other hand, uh, if, you, if you keep the power going, and there were six people in a city I was able to house in, in my house, who didn't have power, so it was it was an important decision, but didn't work for a while, so it was uh, scary. But I think that um, the idea of, of retreating to locations within the city, um, strong schools. Uh, he mentioned the F. Edward A. Bear building that's been sitting there empty forever. There's a couple towers, like the Plaza Towers, could be adjusted. There are other facilities in the city that are could be made safe for storms. Uh -huh. And, and so looking to those more creative solutions to me is a really important. So that's, that's that pivoting thing that's been happening during the pandemic. And I wonder to what extent you've been dealing with patients also who are doing that pivoting and, and how, that's, how that's working. I mean, how, how many of the people who you know and in your practice have quote, pivoted during pandemic and are, are coming out in a better place? Um, or, or, or is that something that's a dream and it doesn't necessarily work? No, look at all the, all the people who, who uh, have been homeschooling their children and juggling their jobs from home as well and doing a very fine job of it. I love the people who got together in pods, the mothers who, who put pods together, people that they could trust. So they would have their children with other with other young children and they would take turns teaching the children. I think people have become very creative and certainly learning how to turn your home into an office away from home. I love the commercial that Shed Corporation that builds sheds. They were, they were building offices outside the home uh, for people. So, I mean, we, we have developed a great deal of creativity and some people even like it better 
I think it's going to change the whole landscape of who's in an office and who's not. So people, you know, people are resilient and when it works for them, it works. The children have been, I think the children have suffered a great deal. But I children was about to ask you about children. What's, what, what, what are you hearing? What do you know about? What's your, what's the story on children? I think there are two factors with children. One is the social isolation. So I think the, the mothers who got together and created play and work pods uh, had a good solution for that. The other thing is that I think their, their, uh, their learning development has been thwarted and uh, the schools are talking about that, how they're gonna play catch up. I know here at Haynes all summer, we had children in school for the summer trying to do catch up. I think a lot of the schools did that. Some children have not fared as well. Children who tended to be somewhat depressed, socially isolated have not done as well, but, but kids are resilient and resilient children, I think get that modeling from the parents who have been resilient. You know, we're going to get through this. We're gonna play games. We're going to make this work for us. What are the long-term effects of that? So the, the, the children, whether they adjust well or not within the short term, what is, what, is, what is predictably or statistically true of the impact long term? My crystal ball quit working a long time ago. I don't know. I think the best predictor of the future is the past. So when you've seen children be able to bounce back from loss, from grief, uh, having to move, whatever it is, they will bounce back. Some children are not as resilient as others. There's that X factor we don't know about. But we still have to move forward through this pandemic before we can even begin to speculate on what the future looks like. Yeah, um, but you know, I've had experience with children of divorces. And I'm sure that you've had a lot of experience with this. And you know that there tends to be a very lingering long-term impact yep. of a divorce in a in in, in a, uh, a relationship between mother and father and, and yep. the impact of, on the child so that's why i'm worried that the impact of these even if the parents and the and the, and the children practice a certain kind of resilience then i think you do have to practice it it's it's not natural yep. No, it may in fact be natural, but you have to work at it. It's it's not something yeah. that just happens. It's you have to have. You have to be intentional. However, so, I mean, I don't. I don't think. Yes, we do know children of divorce are overrepresented in brackets of dropping out of school, premarital sex, drugs, alcohol, etc. They are overrepresented in all of those pitfalls. No, but I I think that's different from children who's whose intact families got together and, and made it through this pandemic. In the, I, I've wondered about children of parents who for whatever reason have been um, vaccine resistant and a child who has some in, in survival instincts and some notions already as a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a 15 year old about what is best for them. Those that don't agree with their parents and, and want to have a shot, want to be vaccinated, 
I wonder what's going on. What's that dynamic like? And do they, do they have to sort of represent themselves and have that debate with their parents and say that I want to be vaccinated? Can you imagine that situation? I can imagine. I know some anti-vaccine people who really surprised me and they don't want their children to have the vaccines. But, you know, when they when they return to school and some schools are back up and running this week, they're going to hear about the vaccine. They're going to 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 hear from other people. So they may some children, I don't know about a five year old, but a 10 year old who's coming upon the 12 year old mark. And I understand the vaccine will be made available to younger children very shortly. They're going to be listening and probably going home and telling their parents, I, I want to survive. I want I want this shot. And I would suspect they will, there will be some uh, commercials around this, like there have been about the um, some other vaccines where you see young children saying, I need my parents to listen to this. So uh, yes, I, I think it will be interesting dialogue. Some, some parents just don't know enough science. Other people subscribe to conspiracy theories that are just completely off the wall. One, one person told me that my vaccine is, is being talked to by the, the towers in the sky, the 5G towers, and which is, that's just out of this. I don't know that there are that many of those people, but some people are just afraid there of are, There are plenty who think that there's some kind of conspiratorial thing going on. And you know what I think has contributed to, to that actually? Those of us who use technology, who are online, and we, we pick up the paper one day and we discover that what we thought was a private conversation that we were having with someone is actually accessible to these tech companies. And uh -huh. they're listening and they hear it and they theoretically can use it. Or how many times have you noticed that you opened up a website to look at a dress and next thing you know, within seconds, you get an yeah. ad for that dress. Right. And you realize that that you are not operating privately. Right. I have to say that it does it doesn't make me think that the vaccine is connected with towers, but it makes you very uncertain about your control over your own life. And I think that's a contributing factor for folks who are have conspiracy theories about the vaccine. I, I, I actually that never occurred to me until just now in this conversation that that's part of it. And, and we shouldn't be terribly surprised at that because boy, do I get mad when my phone says, well, I can help you with that. Da, 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 da. And I'm saying, excuse me, don't listen to me. I get really yeah. annoyed thinking yeah. that that is listening to me. And, and, and I have an IT guy who tells me, Gene, whether they say that they're listening or not, they're always listening. Well, that's pretty yeah. creepy. That's, you know, that's it's real. But is it, being, oh. is it being used for good? You know, I sort of like it when Google knows where I am and can help me find my way out. That's yeah, you, you do as long as that it, it is serving that positive purpose. But yeah. anytime somebody else has information that you have not offered and you have no idea how they're using it. And you know, I'm not one of the people who subscribes to the to the thing, the anti um, anti anti tech thing that's going on that says, you know, leave the, the technology companies alone or else it's gonna 
crimp our style going forward. But I, I don't like the idea that um, people have access to it. When, 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 when something asks me, uh, can we track where you are? Yeah, say no. It's a weather site. And so they want to just be able to give me the weather where I am. I, I want to say, no, I don't yeah. want you to track me where I am. And so that's where I think a little bit of this vaccine weird sure. thinking. We think it's totally weird, but it's not so weird if you yeah. put it in the context of our uncertainty about how people are accessing and using our information. Absolutely. And Big Brother's been watching us a lot longer than the pandemic's been going on. And it's going to continue. We just have to use our settings and our phones and, and whatever access we have to turn these things off so it doesn't get out of hand. My IT guy literally says you can't do it, can't. which is truly frightening. So I, they're going to find ways. We are going to find ways. We're going to have to be able to shut it off. Although I, I can tell you that one of my uh, friends that I spoke with yesterday was saying that he, uh, as a birthday present to his wife recently, who's, who had her birthday, they shut their equipment off. They just shut everything off and they were uh, not hooked in. And it takes work to do that now because we are totally addicted. Everybody knows we're addicted. Um, and so that may be the only solution to really literally shut it down Take for a now until we yeah. find out. Yeah, and people are deciding to do that. I know I've gotten on top a little bit of, of our dealing with the storm. So maybe um, this is a good point for me to stop because I could just be, keep pulling the layers back so on, good talking on my own paranoia about, excuse me. I said, I'm so sorry. good talking to you and, yes. and do encourage people. You know, there's that universality principle, whether you see a therapist or you're just talking among friends, when we've all shared the same experience, if people who are experiencing inertia or a brain freeze or whatever they want to call it, when they can meet with friends and say, how do you feel? Oh my goodness, I feel that way too. We automatically feel better that we're not in this alone. Automatically, universality principle. I'm going to close with that because Good. I totally agree with that. That's exactly why I called you because I was talking to too many friends who were going, Oh, I was saying, wow. So it isn't just me. Right. It isn't just me. Moment is a very important moment. It's not. Oh, um, doctor, I have appreciated so much talking with you. And um, I look forward to uh, checking in with you on occasion, if you don't mind. All right. That'd be lovely. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Night, night. Very, very much for your time. Take care. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Um, I just want to say how much I appreciate the doctor being able to speak with us. And next, you're going to hear from a rabbi. I'm not a very religious person, and I don't talk a lot with people um, in, in a religious setting, but it just happened that today is Yom Kippur, which is a Jewish holiday that encourages people to think about themselves in a positive way and explore what worked and didn't work in their past year and what is good and bad, but not to beat themselves up for what they did that didn't work, but rather to really um, think about how they can do better in recognizing who they are. We're sort of in the middle of a very interesting week, I think, in Louisiana. I, I, I'm headlining my newsletter this week as um, Louisiana, uh, the state of um, suspension. 
we're kind of in a, a, a weird moment where we kind of don't have a complete grip on where we are and, and what our place in this situation is. We, we've all been through a lot. Many of us evacuated, some of us um, turned over their homes to other people. We, we've been doing a lot to help others. It's, it's been a complicated time. And here we are on the eve of Yom Kippur, and um, I don't know enough about it because I'm a halfy, as I <laughs> refer to myself. But um, I was speaking with a good friend of mine this morning, and she was reminding me about it and talking about the, the, um, the assignment, in a sense, of this holiday to think deeply about oneself and one's life and of, I guess, humanity in general. Um, so I thought it would be really interesting to talk with you, uh, Rabbi Seitland, to share with people the meaning of this holiday and, and uh, the, 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 the instinct to think deeply about oneself and about one's life and other people's lives um, as a way of giving people, um, you might say, a kind of um, spiritual and psychological tool for dealing with the time we're in. Does that make sense? Most definitely, most definitely. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, it's a pleasure and it's an honor. And uh, as you mentioned, it's the eve of Yom Kippur. It's a busy time for the Jewish community, especially for rabbis. This is, this is our time, right? And um, yeah, I know you're really busy, so I appreciate you giving <laughs> us some time. Right, right. So um, yeah, let's begin. Let's talk about Yom Kippur. Let's talk about the, you know, the, how we prepared for this or how we are preparing for this over the last few weeks. Tell me about it. Tell, tell it me means. tell me what it means and, and uh, exactly what you just said, how you prepare for it. And then let's talk about how it may help people in dealing with this moment in time we have in Louisiana. Right, right. So, so many of you perhaps have heard of Yom Kippur before. It's, this, it's considered the, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar. Uh, many Jews, perhaps, who are not uh, as involved or, or, or don't participate in services on a daily or weekly, monthly basis, or perhaps for other holidays, they might, uh, you know, skip skip over. But when it comes to Yom Kippur, it's one of those holidays where you'll find in a synagogue um, a, 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 a diverse crowd, many, many Jews who don't usually come to synagogue are coming to service. And even those who are not making... Feel, uh, connected and even perhaps at home they'll, they'll open a prayer book they'll say some prayer they'll meditate they'll think about who they are their connection with god etc it's also known as the day of atonement and the idea is that going back into in history for those who who remember the, the the biblical story of moses going on the mountain receiving the tablets and receiving the torah from god he's on the mountain three times each time for 40 days so you're talking about 120 days we know the story of the golden calf, the sin of the golden calf. Moses is praying to God, asking God for forgiveness of, for, on behalf of the Jewish people. Eventually, God says the Hebrew words, Salachti Kidvarecha, which means I forgive the Jewish people as you have uh, beseeched and, and, and asked on their behalf. Those words were uttered on the 10th day of Tishrei, 120 days plus of uh, since uh, the, the giving of the Torah. And that is the day when Moses came down the mountain for the third and final time with the set of the second tablets. So because this was the initial day of atonement, this is, was the, the initial day when God heard our prayers, 
and you could say, quote unquote, that kind of changed his mind and uh, and gave uh, atonement and forgiveness to the Jewish people. So every year, this became the day where we ask God for, to, to forgive us, to give our, to forgive our sins. So they have fasting, so they have affliction. We don't eat, we don't drink, we don't do other uh, ple- bodily uh, pleasures. And um, it's a day we refocus on on who we are, our connection with God. Uh, just a quick, uh, like a, a story or more like a joke where they say, I could say it because I'm a Jewish rabbi, so I could say this about the Jewish people, where someone's standing in front of a synagogue on Yom Kippur, and he's asking people coming out, filing out of synagogue, and says, and he asks, tell me, do you believe in God? And the response that he gets is, I don't know, what is God? It could be partially, what do you mean, believe? You know, very, uh, and then he says, so tell me, why are you here on Yom Kippur? Why are you here today for in, in synagogue? And they all respond, what do you mean? It's Yom Kippur, <laughs> right? Yeah. And I think that it's really the, uh, the, core, the core of thing, and that is the core of who we are. Meaning, when we think about ourselves, there are many layers to ourselves, right? Very uh, superficial layers, right? There is the clothing that we, we wear, the, the way we look, our appearances, the, the language that we speak. And we tend to oftentimes to kind of judge the person, or at least we, we have a, a, a understanding of a person based on their appearance. So if, while someone's wearing a, a doctor's coat, they're a doctor. When someone's wearing a nice you know, suit and tie, they're, they're whatever, right? They are an attorney. They are a, a mother. They are a child. They are, right? Their profession. And the, 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 the more layers that we uncover, that we reveal, the more we have in common, then we are divided. And it's always good to try to see the person for who they are, their essence, their core. And the day of Yom Kippur is really that. It, and it works twofold. It's between us and God. And at the same time, between us and other people. Yom Kippur is the day where our essence is revealed, who we really are. In Hebrew, there's a word nishama, which means our soul. This is the day of our soul. And when we look at the soul, if we are a doctor of the soul, we could analyze it and we could see that souls are very much alike. My soul, your soul, his and her soul, it, it, it's, it's very, very similar. And when we connect with God on the soul level, which means don't look at me for what I have done. Look at me for who I am. And that is, by the way, the way the, the, the process of atonement, right? Why should God forgive me for my sins? Because ultimately, I have to reveal that connection, that bond, that relationship that I have with God, which goes deeper than my actions, right? It's like a parent-child relationship where you misbehave, you get punished, but ultimately, I'm still your parent. So I am still going to love you, even though I don't like what you're doing. Right, so that's Yom Kippur. We tell God, "Hey, don't look at me for what I've done. Maybe I didn't have a good year. I fell short over here. I shouldn't, shouldn't have done that. I made this wrong decision." But that's things that I've done, and obviously I have remorse, I regret. I, I'm not going to do it again. But ultimately, it's a parent-child relationship. God, you're my father. I'm a child. Right? Let's have this relationship with, of of souls. Right? And when we think about that between us and God, it also translates in between human and human. Right? Another person. 
Because if I see myself as my body and you as your body, we're very much different. When I don't like your body, I don't like the way you look, I don't like the way you talk, I don't like the way you act. We don't get along with each other. I'm very different. But when we see myself, if I see myself as my soul and you as your soul, hey, our souls are very much alike. We have so much in common, right? So, okay, so I don't like the way you talk. I don't like the way you act. I don't like the way you, but nevertheless, but that's just you and externally. But, but internally, your soul, we're very much alike. So the last two, three weeks dealing with this, with this, um, with this and hurricane. And the storm. Again, the hurricane. And, 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 like, we, we really saw that. We saw people helping people. And these are people that, it's not just, hey, um, it's, 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 an easy, it's an easy favor. Yeah, we saw many easy favors. But we've also seen very difficult, selfless favors. People are going around. I mean, we had uh, after the hurricane, so 95% of our community evacuated, you know, left town. But there was quite a bit of people, a nice amount of people who, who remained behind. Some had generators and many didn't. And for whatever reason, they, were, they, didn't, have, they didn't have a place to go. They weren't, they weren't at a, their health conditions um, forced them to remain or they had other elderly people that they were looking after and they remained. And they were sitting in the heat for day in, day out. They didn't have food. They didn't have cold food, ice, gas for their jet, whatever it is, right? And we were able to get a, a group of volunteers here. I'm not sure if I introduced myself earlier, but we're... Uh, oh, right. We didn't do that. You're right. No, not wrong. The Chabad Jewish Center here in Metairie, uh, one of the rabbis, Rabbi Mendel Saitlin, one of the, 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 the rabbis here on staff at the Chabad Jewish Center. And our community is, uh, I would say, a little bit of, of a unique Jewish community where it's not membership-based. We do have a membership, which is optional, but we see every Jew is a member. If you're, if you're living in, in New Orleans, the metropolitan uh, area, you are uh, welcome to join any of the services and programs and classes for adults, for children at the Chabad Center. And we feel responsible for the, for the Jewish community and for the community at large. And um, we had many people calling in and saying, hey, can you please check up on, uh, on this person? I haven't heard of the, from this person for a while. They have no phone uh, uh, con connection or, you know, we, and we had a group of volunteers. Some people were just here for a day or two because eventually they evacuated. And some people were here for the entire duration for whatever it was, we can have two weeks. And they were go just going, uh, checking up on people, bringing gas to people, bringing ice to people, bringing you know, cooked meals to people or just checking up on them, say, hey, how are you doing, right? Just one you know, incident that, that comes to mind, a woman living in Kenner, a close fr friend of ours, uh, joined our community recently. And I call her and she tells me she's very low in gas. So we were, able, we were actually able, we had a little bit of, of a gas distribution. We were able to have, we brought in about a thousand gallons of gas to give out to the community for free. But, you know, she tells me that she is, is low in gas. So I said, oh, I had a woman that, um, that uh, I wanted you to check up on. But if you have no gas, if you're low in gas, I don't want you to be driving around town. You might, you know, run out of gas. And she says, no, 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 it's fine. It's fine. Tell me where, you know, send me the address and I'll go to her. And that's what she did. She got into her car and she drove to numerous places to, to check up on people. And she, she, she boiled eggs and she... She made some, you know, she, she, has, she has some ice with her and some cold water and she, and she emptied people's fridges and you know, she was busy all day. And I was thinking about them, I'm thinking, 
That's just, that's not just another favor that you do because you're a nice person. That's a real selfless act where it's not about me. It's just about us, right? Mm-hmm. What am I needed for, right? Ask not what I could do, what the country could do for me. What could I do for the country, right? What am I needed for, right? We're all in it together. And I think that's the message of Yom Kippur. The message of Yom Kippur is we have to be living a life true to our soul. And when we live a life true to our soul, our connection to God is real. It's not about the, the benefit I get from being close to God. It's not about the, the pleasure or the benefit I get from my, my, my relationship, my, my, my Judaism. It's who, I, it's who we are. And, and, the, and the translates as well to the, uh, inter, uh, the, 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 the connection, the relationship, the relationships that we have with others as well. It's not about what I could gain from this relationship. It's about the relationship itself. You know, um, I couldn't help but think when you, we, you first started uh, uh, your conversation and you were talking about forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness. Um, so again, you know, uh, although I am I'm a half Jewish, half Catholic, I was raised Catholic, but the, the Catholic faith, of course, as we know, is based on Judaism in many ways. And one of the ways is, is the principle of forgiveness. So, you know, in the, in the Catholic religion, every two weeks, um, we would go to confession to a priest and confess our sins and then do some um, uh, religious, um, some prayers uh, in, in, in our effort to atone and, and, and to get our sins forgiven. Uh, it's a different, it's obviously a different practice. Um, and I don't think it was as deeply thought of, at least in my, t- my teachings, because I, I basically went to what's called re- release time instruction in, in the public schools in New York, where I was raised. But- um, On Wednesdays, right? Huh? Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Tuesdays here. <laughs> it was Tuesdays. Okay. But um, I-, I, I I think that I've always felt that the, the thing about the Christian faith, which again, as I view it, is so closely related to the Jewish faith, um, is a sense of, of shared humanity and caring for other people and the, and the basic principle of do unto others as you would have do, on, do unto yourself. And that's, that's one of my core principles in, in, in life. And I think that they speak of, you know, people in, in our, in Louisiana being resilient and being a family and helping each other and getting through yet another storm. Um, it's that same principle. And, and, and we call it being a Louisianan because we have challenges here that are maybe a little bit rougher than some places, although every place has its set of, of challenges, right? Um, no place is challenge-free. Life is not challenge-free. But um, we talk a lot about this family of Louisiana. And I, I think that it's, it's, it is something that distinguishes us from many other places in, to, to a certain level. And I couldn't explain why. I mean, you have the Cajun population, you have the Creole population, you have all of the, the ethnic mix that we are, um, as many other places are, of course, in America as well, and other places uh, in, in, indeed too. But um, 
underneath it is this basic Judeo-Christian um, belief. And I'm not sure that I think that the Muslim community, despite some of the extremists that are out there doing really terrible things, but uh, fundamentally, when you go back in, in the Muslim faith, again, it comes from um, Jewish prophets. It comes from Jesus also. And it's, it's, there's a forgiveness. And I forget their, what their holiday is, not holiday, but their holy day of forgiveness. And so we all have this desire to forgive and to help and to, um, I'm a kind of argumentative person. I think that's partially coming from the Bronx. You know, I always, I take credit now for AOC, right? AOC and Cardi B and JLo and all those gals from the Bronx are pretty tough characters. And I say, that's who I am, guys. It's like, I'm really, I'm okay, even though I'm kind of outspoken, I, but I, I have good instincts. But um, I think that um, here in Louisiana, it takes a slightly different form, but it's very strong here. Yeah. No, most I think a connection with, with the Judeo-Christian principles. Yeah, yeah. And talking about forgiveness, you know, obviously there's, there's, there's a lot in common with Judaism and, and other religions in regards to forgiveness. It's also very different in many ways, but it's not what we're focusing on here, on, 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 on right now. But the, the, the general idea of forgiveness, so there's forgiveness where, where I've uh, you know, wronged another person or where I asked the other person for forgiveness, and there's forgiveness where I wronged God, and I asked God um, for forgiveness. But the, the general concept of forgiveness is, wait, stop and think. Think about what you have done, right? Many of us, we kind of go through life and we don't even stop and think about how was my day? How was my week? How was my month, right? How am I today different than I was a month ago, right? We, if you put a car on a hill and you put it on neutral, it falls downhill, right? A person always has to be growing in life. You always have to be headed in upward direction right you got, you got to be climbing a ladder you always got to be working on bettering ourselves on refining our character uh, character traits to to right the, the point is to 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 transform ourselves right we are we are born naturally with this nature of, of, of being selfish right children are very selfish naturally they're always thinking about themselves the toy that they want and not the candidate that they want and then over life we learn about it's not just about ourselves it's about others right something greater than ourselves and it's a lifelong mission, right? We're not perfect. We're not robots. God did not want to create robots. God perhaps has angels in heaven, but we're not angels. We are human beings and we have challenges. We have struggles, right? And if we go through life without ever taking stock, it's like going running a business without taking stock, right? We're just going to be bankrupt, right? You, you have to take time to think, hey, well, how was my day? Perhaps every evening in Judaism, we have this concept where before we go to bed, we take stock. We say the Shema prayer, which is one of the famous prayers in Judaism, Hero Israel. And while we say the prayer, we're thinking about our day. And then we make this resolution. Well, tomorrow we will have a better day. And if we do this every day, we do this every week, we do this every month, comes time to Yom Kippur. We, 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 we have it all down. We have a very organized, you know, spreadsheet over here and we know exactly how our year was and we say you know what we have to ask forgiveness for this year and make a resolution that the coming year we will be better will we be better that's a good question it's, it's up to us but we have to recognize and you know so you know the, 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 the first step to healing 
is recognizing that there's an illness. So I, I have to, uh, if you don't mind, I want to bring up a challenging um, question that wasn't my original intention. My original intention was to talk about what you've just been saying in relation to um, going through the pandemic and the storm. But there's, there's something else that happened in the past uh, year or so um, that's causing a lot of divisiveness in the country on the one hand, but it's also in a way moving us forward, but there are challenges involved. So we have the Black Lives Matter movement and we have the, um, the Me Too movement. So it's about you know, women's rights and, and the rights of our black citizens in this country. And um, well, really in the world, but there are those who feel that that challenge is unforgiving. And so they call it cancel culture. You've heard the expression, right? Um, so how do, how would you uh, embrace the notion of Black Lives Matter and, and the corrections that we are all trying to address right now and also the issue of women's rights uh, how would you take your context of, of, of the, the Jewish forgiveness to relate to the Black Lives Matter and, and the women's rights movement? Is, is that a fair question? It's a very fair question. It's obviously a question on many people's minds. And there is this cancel culture today. Um, not to get into the specifics, but the general approach, I think well, something that we could you know, learn from, from, from Judaism the way we see a sin, you know, there's a, a not to get too uh, Talmudic on you, but there's a very interesting passage in the in the, in the Jewish Talmud, and it says and that the Talmud, for those who don't know, is 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 basically it's your your kind of your Bible. It's not the Bible, but it is a, a it's yeah it's it's, part it's of where the, your laws of the religion are. The rabbis right? teach it's the teachings of the rabbis um, that was compiled roughly about maybe 18, 1900 years ago. And it's what we study, it's what Jewish law is based on. You know, it, it, that's maybe the, the, the gist of it. But either way, so this is an interesting comment over there. It says, that if, if someone repents with their heart, et cetera, all of their sins, their prior sins become merits. They become like good deeds. And the obvious question is, what does that mean? I did something wrong. I hurt another person. I cursed out someone or I, I whatever. I was violent. I was angry. I, had, I lost my temper. Whatever whatever sin that I am, I'm repenting for. And now it becomes a mitzvah. It becomes a, a good deed, a merit. So the explanation is that, wait, now you're a better person. Now you repented. You have regret. You have remorse. Now you're a better person. So now you have a better relationship with other with others. You have a better relationship with God. So um, I've always had the feeling with people I work with, either for or who work for me or with, that um, kind of like that, that uh, a, a mistake is something uh, to be learned from. I didn't have a religious foundation for that. I just, that's just who I am, that um, I've made mistakes. I know my mistakes. And when somebody else makes a mistake, I call it, 
I do believe in calling it to I to call it out, so to speak, but to accept that again, that mistake is part of a learning process. Mistakes are part of learning. Exactly. And you know, uh, in my sixties, uh, I was never a kind of a hippie, but I was a sixties girl in in New York, right? And um, I read the I Ching. Now I don't know if you have ever heard of or read the I Ching. It's based, I think, on Confucian uh, philosophy primarily, but there's an expression that I'm not going to be able to quote, but it was basically about how adversity is critical to advancing in life. And so it's very related to what we're talking about. And I can't remember whether there was a forgiveness element to it, but it was just about how difficulties lead to um, advancing your understanding and your ability to deal with life. I think that's kind of what we're, we're talking about in a way. So I, I think that the, I, I really do hope that the Black Lives Matter movement and the uh, women's movement um, have a sustained impact and really do result in um, new ways of, of relating with each other. And I, I hope that there can be more forgiveness involved in that process. Because right now it's, it, can, it can get a little heavy duty, let's just say. I don't wanna put any other word on it. But um, I, I've been fascinated by this conversation and I actually yes. would like to um, uh, engage uh, with you uh, in, in the future on other of um, holy days. Um, we just, of course, we, you just had your, your New Year's and uh, did I remember it's, it's 5,000 something, right? What, how many? 5,782, that's the year on the Jewish 5, calendar. 5,782. And I want to wish all your, all your listeners, I'm sure you have many Jewish listeners and non-Jewish listeners. I want to wish everyone the traditional Jewish um, wishing for uh, this time of year is a Shana Tova, which is a, should have a good year a healthy year, a sweet year, and we should have a, we shouldn't have any challenges this year, right? We ask God that all the good that God gives us should be in a revealed manner. We shouldn't have to question God. And we should see how everything is just good no more. I just lost a little bit of what you just said again. Just, yeah. Just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, phone, the phone is kind of dying over here, but so, so good to be with you. And I really appreciate it. And I hope we could do it again in, in the near future. Mendel Sackland, Rabbi. Um, and your Shabbat again is? It's Chabad Jewish Center. Chabad Jewish Center in? In Metairie, Louisiana. In Metairie. Um, uh, my husband has shared with me uh, his visit with you at the Cajun uh, Jewish um Delhi, which is one of our favorite places in town. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the next time uh, I can go with you and I would enjoy it very much. Exactly. I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you so much for your perspective sure. today. I really appreciate it. And um, as you said, I hope we do have a good year. Uh, I think that we, we have paid some dues in the past two years, really. And um, maybe uh, maybe we'll, we'll pull out of it. But That's if right. we, we have challenges, we're just going to have to deal with them, right? Yep. They have an expression here in Louisiana. I think it's become a common, it's a common expression, but I first heard it in New Orleans. It is what it is. <laughs> we do yeah. have a difficult time. We're, we're just going to uh, learn and, and, and deal with it. Thank you so, so much. Have a great year. Thank you. Take care.
So that's going to close our show out um, next. And I look forward to, of course, as always, talking with you next time. This is Jean Nathan for Cross Sound Conversations on WBOK, what people are talking about.